So, Paul, uh, one all against Arsenal probably means United finish fourth. We, I guess we kind of knew that beforehand, but it would take something of a miracle now to catch Arsenal in third. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of an opportunity missed because I think third place was just about on, wasn't it? They they dropped points at home to Swansea. It wasn't inconceivable that Sunderland, who sort of probably might end up needing something out of that game, would have given them a bit of a game. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, they, they've got two home games against Sunderland and West Brom to come. And I suppose on paper, you'd say, well, two of the lesser lights of the Premier League. And there was an opportunity for Arsenal to seal up third place quite easily. But but yeah, Sunderland fighting for their life. And we saw what West Brom did at Old Trafford a few weeks ago. So um, and, and, you know, given how Arsenal played as well, they, they, the wheels have clearly come off their kind of form bandwagon, hasn't it? And you know, they, um, it is an opportunity miss from United, but uh, as it is, we'll, we'll get to play like Spartak Moscow in, in mid-August or something like that. Hooray! Woohoo! Yeah, so uh, I, I guess uh, we would, let's talk about the European stuff later because it is interesting. It's a, it's a pretty convoluted uh, kind of qualification system and they've made a lot of changes, um, but, um, you know, uh, on to the game first, I suppose. And strange one, I thought. So this weird game of two halves in, in many ways. So, so United utterly dominant in the first 45 minutes without really penetrating very much. It was, uh, I suppose, predictable. The The pace of the game was pretty slow. It was more like a, a summer game than a, a late-season game, wasn't it? It's, uh, United uh, were never going to play with pace given the, the formation, but just completely hogged the ball, had more of the chances, must have gone in very happy, uh, 1-0 up, and then, and then Arsenal came back into it quite strongly, I thought, and... I guess the equaliser was coming when they got it. It was, although I felt that we were more or less okay until the round of substitutions that happened. He had to take De Gea off and at the same time went through with a planned substitution uh, to take Rojo off and bring Blackett on. And that one looked like a kind of sports science substitution to me. That looked like, uh, right, Rojo's been back from injury and we're going to play him for X number of minutes or whatever. And then Blackett was just really unfortunate because Theo... Walcott came on at the same time and that really changed the game because instead of a United defence which was marshalling Arsenal's attacks quite nicely, you had a, a youngster being run at by one of the Premier League's fastest players and he he just completely dropped the ball for the goal, didn't he? Blackett and you can't blame him too much for that, I don't think. He's a young player and they make mistakes, but but that was that was what swung the game in Arsenal's favour. Yeah, you'd say that. I mean, not that Walcott was superbly influential or anything like that after he came on, but obviously scored the goal or created the goal. And and you could put that down to Blackett in a way because he didn't get close enough to the cross and he's just got his sort of shin on it and it's beaten uh, Valdez at the near post as a result. So I suppose that swung the game Arsenal's way. I mean, they just managed to get more control in central midfield through the, the second half. So, I mean, in particular, in the in the sort of last 15 minutes, the sort of 10 minutes preceding their goal, they really got a load of control in central midfield and had a lot of possession and suddenly looked like um, they had some... Uh, a bit more about them going forward, you know, more penetration, which they didn't at all in the first half. I mean, just nothing from Arsenal at all, which is which is interesting because I, I guess we kind of sort of expected them to, to to play the way Arsenal had been playing this season away from home, which is to be very compact and then hit on the break. But there was none of the on the break part about them until the second half. Um, and then United's, I guess, the impetus just kind of fell away. And it was one of those ones that you could kind of almost predict how United played beforehand. Uh, you know, I, I guess I was having a moan to you about it over text message and, and it just felt like there was an opportunity there for United to inject some pace into a side that was just slow, slow and a bit more slow up front. I mean, kind of, but in a way, Young did that. That was his role in the side and did it yeah. extremely effectively again, uh, Rather remarkable performance from Young. Another assist taking his total up to five. Not going to set up any records alight with the, those numbers, but entering respectable territory. But just everywhere. Like one of the, you mentioned Arsenal's counter attacking was really ineffective, but I just thought we defended from where I was sat. I haven't seen any of the replays or anything, but from where I was sat, it looked like we defended brilliantly against their counter attacking. We just really, a combination of very good positioning 
uh, but also some really big tackles from Young and Herrera in particular. Yeah, well, there's a solid base in midfield, I suppose, if you have Herrera, Fellaini and Blint in there, that you've got players who can mix it up, right? So Herrera put in a load of tackles, actually. I was looking at his numbers today, eight tackles, I think it was. And, and I thought the back smalling was outstanding. I thought he was really, really good. Uh, Phil Jones, well, you know, apart from the kind of ah! hilarious moments uh, from time to time, keep falling over, which is... Um, you know, I suppose I'd say it's unfortunate, but it's quite common with Phil Jones. So you've got this kind of thing where he makes defending look really hard. And and for a player of his talent, he shouldn't be doing that. And then the best flying header on the floor headed tackle in the history of flying on the floor headed tackles. And he falls over and manages to, manages to tackle uh, Giroud as the last man with his head. I mean... Genuinely remarkable. Ian McIntosh putting on Twitter, uh, say what you want about Phil Jones, but that's what grit and determination personified looks like. It's also what a cocker spaniel on a marble floor looks like. Well, quite, yeah. It's just kind <laughs> like, of Bambi on ice, isn't it? It's- it is, but it's like Bambi on ice crossed with the heart of an absolute lion because he will quite literally, he has proven that he'll put his head where other people won't even put their boots. Very true. Yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know what to think about Phil Jones. He, in, in, one, in one way, it's just hugely disappointing because I saw a player who had so much natural talent when he joined United, but... On the other hand, has he progressed as a player? And it's really hard to definitely say he's he's progressed as a player uh, during his time at United. And a lot of that's down to uh, unfortunate uh, injuries, you know, repeated injuries, of which he's had a few this season, being played out of position a lot. Not this season. He's played at centre-back almost exclusively, hasn't he? Uh, maybe even exclusively. I'm not sure if he's played anywhere else this season. Um, and, and so some of that is just bad luck. And some of it just doesn't feel like he's matured much. He's still, what, 23? Something like that. You know, he's plenty of time on his side. Um, I just hope he he manages to fulfil it. Because I, I kind of get the feeling that Van Hal has quite a bit of faith in him, despite the kind of calamitous stuff that goes on. Yeah, because it's not all calamitous, is it? There is also, there is a very good defender in there somewhere. And I do think the fact that he's 23 is really significant. I was writing something today about Chris Smalling and the thing that's happened to him more than anything else, I think, is he's crossed some sort of threshold of experience. Now, it's possible that it's just a purple patch and his form will dip again. But to me, what it looks like is a combination of the fact that he's only played centre-back this season. Same for Jones. But Smalling's 25 and it's interesting, he... His 25th birthday in one of those nice neat bits of symmetry was the day he came back from suspension after the City thing. And he hasn't really made a serious mistake since then. Right. And it's, it's yeah. I mean, obviously it's not like turning 25 has bestowed him with magical properties. But I, I've been banging on about this for years. Rio Ferdinand was something of a liability at least once a game until he was 28 or whatever maybe yeah i mean so you're completely right about smalling in terms of his his form and his performances since city and of course he was captain against arsenal um good you know high praise from van Hal in the lead up to the game uh, saying he's been the leader of our defense so completely right he, he has been since that city game um not sure i'd have picked smalling out as a captain after like two of the most brain dead things I've seen in recent times. You know, one, uh, he thought it was highly amusing to dress as a suicide bomber. Um, you know, and, and uh, a lot of people didn't like that when I said that wasn't quite appropriate. I, I mean, you know, my threshold for comedy is right on the edge, as you know. Uh, and I thought that was not funny. So that was one. And then obviously the red card against City was one of the most stupid things I've ever seen on a football pitch. But hey, if you can rapidly mature from an incident like that, then Smalling has done it and uh, his performance has been excellent. The only thing that ever lets him down is his distribution. As long as he doesn't try and pass it more than 10 yards, um, that should be the limit. And he should he should be fined every time he tries to pass it more than 10 yards because he never, never passes it accurately when it's further than a few feet. But his, uh, his short passing is like incredibly accurate now. It's become a weird thing. And both of them... Van Gaal clearly says, as part of the crazy system, that the centre-backs are allowed to bomb forward with the ball from time to time, because both of them do it now. And, you know, I was thinking about Smalling, and and David Moyes playing him at right-back all season last season was very frustrating, and he's a terrible right-back, but it probably has helped his development in terms of his ball-playing somewhat. Uh, So, you know, something to 
thank David Moyes for. Hey, look, he's a good athlete, and with the ball at his feet, he's he's not bad, right? It's just <laughs> it's when he tries prob- to pass it. Problem. So further forward, you mentioned Herrera's tackling. Herrera's contributions extended well beyond that. He scored a lovely goal from that brilliant Ashley Young cross. Classic Herrera composure, although he did not take the touch that Van Gaal's apparently told him to take before shooting. He just uh, he didn't need that touch, just walloped it in. But have you seen the Vine doing the rounds of the run where he beat three men in Arsenal's midfield, <laughs> left them all looking dizzy, ran off with the ball? Just superb all-round performance from Herrera. What a player. It gets better by the week, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think he's added a lot to his game. He was a kind of all-energy player for Bilbao, played it on the right-hand side quite a bit, actually, before he came to United. Although no one would say he was really a right-sided midfielder and played a lot at number 10. But now he's an excellent number 8. Just been really good. He's excellent with the ball. His distribution is is very, very good. You know, high 80s to low 90s pass completion rate, but it's uh, it's not safe. He's prepared to take a risk with the ball and plays it very quickly. And, you know, I know that was something that Van Hal was frustrated with earlier in the season, trying to get him to be a bit more composed on the ball. But uh, he does play a lot of one-touch football. And I just think he's a fantastic addition to United's team now. And and if we can get another sort of physical presence in there uh, alongside him, we're going to have a very good central midfield. And it's it's been a long time since that's been the case, really. But uh, that's a big if, of course. You know, that all comes down to the market in the summer. But um, he's really grown this season. Much better player than he was when he was at Bilbao. And that's, that's, you know, that's high praise, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's exciting and a little bit worrying, given the situation with Dave. Yeah, so so when does Herrera move to Madrid? Is it uh, 2017 or 2018? He looks like a Barcelona man to me, I think. He does, yeah. He's a natural (laughs) replacement for Iniesta, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, De Gea thing was kind of interesting. It was uh, was pretty emotional being there. I don't know if you remember this, Ed, but you and I, I'm pretty sure, were there when he uh, he made his first appearance at Old Trafford for United, which I think was in Scholes' testimonial. I remember him walking towards uh, the the goal when we were sat in the Stretford end and the people in front of us were really, really excited. There was a young guy who'd obviously watched De Gea a lot and had obviously, you know, like you were, advocating for United to sign him because uh, of how talented he was. And uh, I was just thinking about that moment uh, this week because... Pretty sure, I suppose, that that was his last appearance at Old Trafford and he did his standard make a dramatic save thing and save us a few points. But then it was like it was like WWF or something. He got an injury and had to go off and Valdez had to come on. It was like, was this prearranged? Is this, was this like pre-planned? Right, 60 minutes, Dave, you go down and uh, I'll bring Valdez on. It, it felt very hashtag narrative heavy, that did. It did, didn't it? Yeah, it was, that was interesting, that one. I mean, he did the, uh, he did the cheering to all four corners of the ground before the game, <laughs> uh, not when he came off injured. But yeah, he's definitely off. And uh, I mean, Van Hal pretty much said as much, you know, he's Spanish and we've offered him the contract. He has a decision to make. And I think of all the noises coming out of Spain are that the contract's been agreed over there and it's just down to negotiation. So Madrid will do their usual thing of saying it's a fait accompli, we're the only destination and we'll offer you as little money as possible. And and United will have to make a decision whether just to take that little money. I suppose it doesn't matter that much. United's financial results were pretty good this week, at least in terms of the trajectory around revenues. And, you know, just take that small offer or, or play hardball. And I suppose if the offer's too small, they could just make him sit, make him sit it out for a year. It's perfectly feasible. But um, I don't think that contract is going to be signed. And he's off. And the question really is... Who comes next? And Van Hal has a list, apparently. Uh, yeah, Valdez got a big reception from the singing section in particular. Um, I don't know how good he is. I've got no sense of it. And you couldn't get any sense of it from that game because he had nothing to do really apart from... We've seen 10 years of Valdez at Barcelona to know exactly where his strengths and weaknesses are. You know, he's like like Dave, he's good at, with the ball at his feet. Unlike Dave, he's uh, he's not good in the air, you know, and... Um, which, which I suppose would be a criticism of of uh, Dave three years ago. So um, he's definitely a downgrade. Oh yeah, no doubt. But about so's, it. No so's doubt. Every- and, and, and the injury. So's everyone. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you're right, and that's what I was going to say. We know his strengths and weaknesses, except for how big and how serious is that injury? How much has that affected him? I mean, you know, Falcao was well, it's not going to have made him better. No, Falcao was the best striker in the world two years ago. 
so injuries can be quite bad for football, as it turns out. Yeah, I suppose explosive pace is not really required, but reflexes and you know and all of that. And so, yeah, personally, I, I don't think he's he's quite good enough. But then you know, it almost feels like a ridiculous statement given how much he won with Barcelona. The problem is our defence has not been good enough, right? And and I suppose for years you'd have said that Barcelona what defence wasn't that great either, except that they retained the ball so much that it didn't seem to matter. Yeah, all we have to do is put the best club football team in the history of world football, or at least modern world football, in front of him and we'll be fine. Yeah, excellent strategy. I think you should write to Van Gaal and tell him. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, I suppose it depends on what other options available. I mean, it, it just feels like there's... There's too many weaknesses in in the other options to feel comfortable about any signature. You know, it's not like I could, you know, when Dave signed, I think I spent about six months on the pod beforehand going, we've got to sign this player. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it just felt obvious that one. It doesn't now. Uh, and a few of the same names will be banded around. I'm obviously Neuer's untouchable, Courtois is untouchable. Although Courtois has had a mixed season, I think. Czech might be available, but definitely past his peak. Talk about Loris, who'd be super expensive, not good with the ball at his feet. Feels like that wouldn't be a natural fit in Van Gaal's side. Uh, Handanovic had a pretty average season at Inter, you know, and, and on and on and on. And um, makes, it doesn't make me feel very confident, I have to say, about next season. I'm, I'm sure we'll get a player who's decent. It'll not be a massive rick or anything, but it's it's not going to be someone who saves us 10 points, which I reckon Dave has probably saved us this season. Yeah, or more even. I think 10 might be even a conservative figure. Um, oh, maybe 10, 10 versus another very good goalkeeper or good goalkeeper, I guess, because um, Dave on his own has probably saved us uh, more than that. But of course... Not every one of those would have been unstoppable to other goalkeepers. Um, Show real of his best saves I was looking at because uh, I, I can't remember where the vote was. was it a match of the day poll or something? Yeah, right. Best saves of the season. Yeah. The, the one against yeah. Everton. I reckon he made about five saves better than that one through the course of the season and really could have made the top ten just of his saves, which says something. Um, you know, United haven't conceded that many goals. Fourth best defence, I think, something like third or fourth best defence. Haven't conceded that many goals, but it would have been a hell of a lot more without him. Yeah, absolutely. And we're really going to miss him. And, you know, he's uh, he's very easy to love as well, De Gea is. You know, um, you see a lot of... Uh, debate uh, about how to respond to a player like that leaving and you know well what's the difference between that and Rooney and why does Rooney get a load of stick and he gets a free pass and yeah whatever there's a ton of different reasons for that and one of them is that he's just very likable presence isn't he so yeah it's uh he's going to be tough to replace and and as you say, it's going to be a we what we know for sure is that it's going to be a downgrade in that position because there just quite literally aren't any upgrades in that position at the moment. No, no, there there aren't. Yeah, so you have to build uh, build quality out elsewhere, and United will do that because an excellent central defender will come in, and um, I presume a right back as well. Although uh, Tony V was uh, the only player in the CIES Football Observatory. Um, uh, rankings they do in annual rankings. I mean, I think it's good fun debate. This one, uh, their methodology is criticised by other football data nerds um, and stats people um, in terms of how they collect and analyse football performance. But yeah, I like those indices because they're they're good fun for a debate. But anyway, uh, so Tony Valencia, the only United player making it into the top ten in any position, which uh, which was interesting. It's just this thing that we talk about all the time. Statisticians have got a long way to go when it comes to judging defenders because Antonio Valencia is just not a defender. A man is not a defender. Yeah, data versus your eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the thing about data, isn't it? You, you, one of the arts of data is knowing when to believe the data and when to believe your eyes, because there's a time and a place for both. Uh, and it generally depends on the, the kind of robustness of the data set, right? Um, anyway, that's a discussion for another day. So we talked a little bit about defence, we talked a bit about the goalkeeper, we've talked about midfield. That Arsenal game definitely prompts a conversation about strikers as well because the overwhelming sense I got from that game is the number one reason Van Gaal's system breaks down when it does is that we just have not got a proper number nine. And it's ironic given that, you know, Two seasons ago, the two number nines that played in that game were the best number nine in England and the best number nine in the world, respectively. Uh, but they are certainly neither of those things anymore. Yeah, and, and Rooney, you'd have placed up there 
two, maybe five or seven years ago. Rooney, I blame him for that, to be honest. <laughs> he, he made very little effort sitting there in his luxury box with his kids. <laughs> his kids who banged in penalties for fun at the end of the game. That's true. I mean, you know, Rooney's contribution to the game was about as much as it has been for the last few months, to be honest. No, no, that, that, hey, well, that, that is amazing. I'm impressed, Ed. I'm impressed that you got it in. I, I know. Good, yeah. good work. Yeah. Tick, check mark. <laughs> uh, Falcao, terrible. Uh, I mean, he oh. made a load of effort. You can't yeah. fault him for that at all. You know, no. he's, he's not a player who's picking up his £265,000 a week and, and, you know, resting on his laurels. He desperately wants it. And uh, that's why everyone feels quite bad for him, I think. But four goals in 29 appearances now. Um, the best thing he did was make a sharp run across his defender and he was picked out by, what was it, one matter in sort of 10 minutes or so. And uh, turn and shot. Uh, that was the best thing he did all game. Well, how long did he last? Falcao, an hour or so? Six, 60 minutes, 65, right, something like that. There you go, and that's about as much as he could take. It's uh, such a shame for him. I mean, he's clearly not going to be at United next season. I mean, lots of talk about uh, Monaco negotiating because they're in FFP trouble, but um, I can't see a figure that would make any kind of sense. It just doesn't make any sense. So United clearly need to refresh there. That I think they're going to play a 4-3-3. We had a debate on Twitter this week, didn't we, uh, with a few other people about what formation. I'm, I'm, it just doesn't make sense for United not to play a 4-3-3. If, if Memphis is coming in, so he's going to play Absolutely. You know, inside left and, and someone at number nine, I guess Wayne Rooney could play there. And we think we can squeeze another season out of him and someone on the right side uh, and then a three in midfield of Herrera and two others. You know, we're not sure who they'll be yet. And that looks like that will be the system. And it means United probably only need one principal striker and probably get away with three. So it might be Rooney, one more and Wilson. It might feel a bit like that, but you never know. There's, of course, an argument. You just bring back Hernandez for a season. There's Rooney, Hernandez and Wilson. It is a bit light, but it kind of covers the not having to invest heavily in a striker this season. Lacazette apparently doesn't want to move until... After the uh, European Championships in France, play another season in France, buy Lacazette next summer, you know, make do this summer. But I, I, I think it would be a mistake. I think, I, I feel like centre forward is the position we need to fix more than any other because even Rooney up there, you're going to get those extended stretches where he doesn't do anything. And that's not Rooney bashing, that's the history of his career where he'll always. Or, or injuries, right? Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. like he's. he's what is he now? 28? Mid 28? He'd be turning 29 next season. Uh, or does he turn 30 next season? Can't quite remember. Anyway, you know, in, and uh, given he started his career so young, uh, it's it's you know, it's been feeling like he's been um, on the downside in terms of his physical presence for some time now. And Jay wrote a piece earlier in the season about that, didn't he? Um, on the on United rant. So I'm not sure it's a sensible strategy to go into the season with Rooney as your your best option. It feels like it would be a mistake not to bring in a top class striker because they're you know few and far between and very expensive. So um, we'll see whether that happens or not. I mean, he's got priorities in midfield and at centre back and at right back and possibly in goal too. I, I said on the the full time Devils thing that did after the game that there looked to be a couple of moments where the midfielders deliberately didn't play through balls that would have been on if a striker with a bit more pace and physical presence had been involved. I think they did that for both for Falcao and for Van Persie and the kind of the crowd would go nuts like why didn't why didn't they play that pass and I was just sat there thinking they didn't play that pass because they had absolutely no confidence in what would happen if they did. So it's like the striker's lack of service is becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, that people are not providing service for the strikers because the strikers can't as you have been saying all season, Falcao in particular can't get himself into the space he needs to get himself into. And Van Persie like it would have been something of a miracle if Van Persie had come back from injury and illness and playing against Arsenal and managed to do something. I think that would have been a that was a big ask for Van Persie in that situation. I I wonder whether he's going to be at the club next season too. I mean, yeah, I'd I'd say nine out of ten that he's not going to be. It doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense to keep him. It doesn't. But I, there's a lot of things that don't quite make sense that I think might still happen as part of the kind of ongoing transition because. This summer isn't going to fix everything. You know, it's the the end of this summer isn't going to be the end of the rebuilding process, is it? You're not going to, we're not, every area in the squad that needs addressing is not going to be sufficiently addressed 
this summer. Yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, if United brought in four world-class players through the spine, and it really is through the spine, isn't it? That would go a very long way to fixing it. And it would probably close the points gap on Chelsea, which is going to end up being, what? what's the gap now? 15 points or something? Uh, maybe more than that. To, to definitely sub 10, but maybe five or so. And um, and I think that'd be acceptable in a three-year plan, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know, I totally Make sure you so. qualify for the Champions League, give it a shot at winning the Premier League next season without being overwhelming favourites and then win it the season after that. And that's I think that has to be the plan because you can't turn it around that quickly, I guess. Although, you know, if everything goes right, it's not impossible that we win the league next season, but I think... Well, hang on, you know, look at what Chelsea did, right? So the, the bump in their performances this season have been pretty stark, right, in terms of their points gathered as well. So it's possible um, it might take Chelsea having a bad summer uh, for United to win the Premier League next season. But, you know, hey, we'll see. And and I think the, the Chelsea thing, I think, you know, they were kind of in the position that we're talking about for next season, last season. Last season was there, give it a bit of a go, fall a bit short at the last, you know, not quite in the title race, but there are thereabouts right the way till the end, you know, because there was a point where it was, it was a three-way fight between City, Liverpool and Chelsea until April or whatever. So, you know, I, I feel like that's where we're going to be next season because they really, they all they had to do was bring in Costa and Fabregas and that was the difference, wasn't it, for them? That that took them to that next level that they needed to be at to just walk the league this season. And I can't, there's there's no way we're in a position where you bring in two, say you bring in the best striker in the world and a very good midfielder, that's not going to be necessarily enough to let us walk the league, is it? No, no. Um, so, yeah, that's what kind of why I'm saying four is, is more like it. Yeah. And, you know, four world-class players is a hell of a lot of money, of yeah. course. You know, or, or four players that, that could be that good. You know, you, you talk about getting it right as well. So, yeah, all that spending last summer and it's had very mixed results, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. And Herrera, massive bonus, has been fantastic and grown into the season. Marcos Rocco looks great, but he's been injured so often. Blint, you know, eh, not sure. And honestly... Good at left back. Good. At, he's had some good performances at left back. Good utility player. I guess Di Maria's basically been a disaster. Well, so, well, you know, it seems like noises... I asked around a bit. Seems like everyone associated with the club thinks he's going to stay. So maybe we'll get a lot more out of him next season. You know, it's hard to... Hard to have a conversation with Daniel Harris on Twitter. It's hard to judge a player's value on one season and that was his point anyway and I think that's very a very fair argument but based on this season it's been a disaster and Falcao um you know even worse than that luckily United didn't actually spend the 60 million to bring him in yeah the Di Maria thing's fascinating on Friday night or Saturday night there were two two pieces one went up on the mail website and one went up on the mirror website I'm presuming they were in the paper as well but anyway um, the one in the mirror was an interview with Di Maria where he was talking about how he kind of felt really terrible that United fans hadn't seen the best of him and this is not the real Di Maria and he's desperate to stay and prove himself. And the mail piece was a bunch of quotes from Van Gaal, just classic Van Gaalisms, but he was talking about Di Maria and players not fitting into the system and he said, like, it's like when you have a sickness you're going to keep making, you know, the same mistakes and stuff and Di Maria is not currently playing. It was pretty damning of Di Maria's ability to fit in the system. And and when you look at Van Gaal's history, that makes a ton of sense, right? That Di Maria is the kind of exciting, creative, intuitive player that is either going to absolutely gel with Van Gaal's system straight away or is really, really going to struggle. And, and you know, there are a, a litany of really brilliant players that were rejected by Van Gaal for not being able to be Van Gaal-y enough. Well, that's true. I mean, look... In that four-three-three system, I don't think Di Maria is going to play as the outside left. Right, that's what Memphis has been bought for, and Young's just had an excellent season. So, um, at least by his standards. So, I think we are saying that Di Maria plays in the role that basically Fellaini is playing now, or he doesn't play at all. Right, he's going to be playing as that left-sided um, one of three in central midfield. Then the question is: Is that enough defensiveness? In midfield for Van Hull, you know, there's that 
uh, thing that he likes, you know, two defensive-minded players or at least one and a half, right? So is Di Maria, Herrera and a new defensive midfielder enough? Well, Herrera is definitely the half, isn't he? Because you can't accuse Herrera of <laughs> neglecting his defensive duties. He's a man-possessed when we lose the ball. He's the half. So if the player we bring in is the one, then you potentially have it. But you take Fellaini out of that side... The upside of that, the potential upside of taking Fellaini out of that side is huge, right? The improvement in creativity, although he had an okay game, but the the potential improvement in technique and creativity and directness and all that kind of stuff is huge. But you do lose the presence, you lose the aerial stuff, you lose the battering ram thing, which you haven't got anywhere else in the squad. So it does serve some purpose. So, that, that you know, Van Gaal talks about balance all the time. And Fellaini does tip the scales in a certain direction that no one else in the side quite does. So there's an interesting balancing act there. Yeah, but if, you, if you're putting together a team of of the best teams in Europe, how many of them have some big lump as a battering ram? Mm, yeah, you're uh, right. You know, right. I, I don't think that's a natural part of balance. And how, how many uh, Van Hull's eyes have had that before? You know, not, not too many, I'd say. Mm. So... I'd be really surprised if Fellaini plays as significant a part next season. I think if he does, it'll be because we've had a bad summer and not been able to land the players that we wanted to. I think a bigger question mark for me is around Matter's role in the side next season. I find it hard in any kind of logical progression of this side to find a role for him in the side, as brilliant as he is. You know, like you want him playing as, as a number 10, but that's one of the three, right? And you can't play Herrera... Andy Maria Matter in there. Could you play? Could you play Matter Herrera and a defensive midfielder? Maybe, maybe, but it's uh, certainly going to change the the nature of United's attacking play. And I think maybe it depends on the kind of other forward United bring in. If they bring in some more pace, uh, maybe Matter's got a chance in that central area. He wouldn't have a chance on the wide in wide areas, of course. So you know, we'll see. Uh, this is the thing. It's like, do you? Because there's all the bail talk, right? Whether that turns out just to be nonsense or not it's certainly a transfer which makes a degree of sense when you think about it It doesn't feel ridiculous but for now like matter coming in off the right does serve some very useful exciting purpose from time to time but is a problem when you've got teams sitting really deep against us although once again he was the one that was picking up the ball and running at arsenal and you know causing them quite a lot of panic Quite often, so right. But but all the good stuff Matter did was when he came inside, yeah, you're right. into you're the right. number you're ten role, right. and, and then he was very effective. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. It wasn't always the case in our little purple patch, was it? That he was doing some really good work a bit wider right when when him and Herrera and Valencia were sort of playing closer together physically. That's something that that's definitely change they're not they're not spending as much time near as near each other as they were guys get together have a hug you wonder whether you could play Herrera Mata and a defensive midfielder though and and play Di Maria wide right you know there's a certain logic to that but yeah it's not oh, there's a lot of jigsaw puzzle pieces and we can't quite see what the picture is and there's going to be a bunch of pieces thrown out of the box and a bunch of new pieces brought in and so it, you know it is. There's an awful lot of transition yet to happen, isn't there? There is. Yeah, that's the. Um, I suppose the sort of semi-positive spin on it. You know, there's there's a definite uptick to be made in this team, and uh, you know, let's uh, let's see whether Ed Woodward can do the business of picking up the phone to Jorge Mendes and saying, "All right, mate, I've got some uh, I've got some signings to make." Um, now he's absolved himself of the responsibility. Sure, sure uh, this week on. Um, uh, on the official side, I guess he was on MUTV actually, uh, talking about the process. Um, he gives Edward Wood a list saying uh, first, second and third choice in each position he wants to, to fill. Uh, I'm sure it's, you know, there's a gross simplification. Of course, he's got his own network and, and then uh, Edward Wood goes out and does the business, we hope. Yeah, we do, we hope. And, you know, it's a good sign that Memphis is having his medical today, isn't he? So, you know, business is already done. And we'll see. We'll see whether that's uh, a sign of things to come or an aberration. Yeah, I I, uh, I fell for clickbait today. I blame you for this, Paul. 
and uh, I have a no clickbait policy, except when I click on your articles. Outrageous. Nothing. I have never, ever, ever written an article with like a uh, title like, you won't believe what this Manchester United legend has done or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't that far off. It was a headline. I didn't see the publication, which is why I clicked on it. And, uh, Memphis fails medical. And I was like, what? <laughs> clicked on it. Daily Star. Uh, scroll down, scroll down. Paddy Power has a special offer on whether Memphis will fail a medical. Christ, just the state is really terrible, that, isn't it? But it's enough commentary on Bleacher Report. Uh, Daily Star, not so good either. Outrageous. That is just, that's just sheer unpleasantness, Ed. There's just no need. <laughs> you crossed the line uh, between bans- banter and unpleasantness. Banter, banter. <laughs> it was just banter. It was. No one's ever said that when they hadn't just done something really terrible, you know. It. Um, should we take some Twitter questions talking of banter? Yeah, let's do it. A friend of the rank cast at Liz Worsley says, has this season been a disappointment? It's kind of an interesting question, that. Yeah, it's it, we, we kind of started on that track last week, didn't we? So if you think about the KPIs, I mean, Van Hal said he sat down with the owners and Edward Wood before the season and they set out a plan and it was to finish fourth or better. And that's it. So United will finish fourth. So KPI met, but got dumped out of the Carling Cup uh, by Milton Keynes and, and lost in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Fourth or fifth round? Fifth. 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 Sixth. 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 Ah, quarterfinals. Quarterfinals to Arsenal yeah. at home. You know, some, some interesting circumstances in, in that game because Indy Mirror sent off. But, but still, so it, it feels like on the low side of the KPIs, minimum met, but not much better than that. I mean... Um, in terms of like, you know, absolutes, when you think about relative performances, though, so from the low that was last season, then then it's much, much better. You know, we can feel like we've just talked about where United progressed from here. It's a bit hard to talk about progression last season, wasn't it? So absolutely. Um, so relatively pretty good. Absolutely. Yeah. Not so, not, you know, not. Not awesome. Uh, basically, just good enough. I think it's like this thing of everything in football is discussed only in terms of absolutes. And the truth is, this season falls between two stalls. You know, ultimately, we finish with a whimper rather than a bang, right? That's, and we're finishing fourth, which is basic expectations met. So, can't be that crushingly disappointed about that. There have been big disappointments. You mentioned Milton Keynes and and going out to Arsenal. That was really disappointing. The performance against Everton the other week, I thought was specifically really disappointing. But there's also been absolutely phenomenal and somewhat unexpected highs this season. Like beat Liverpool 3-0 at Old Trafford. That was pretty, pretty great. We had that hilarious victory over Arsenal away. That was also pretty awesome. But then were genuine, like incredible high points where we played football over the three out of four games in in the most crucial time of the season. We played the best football I've seen United play for years and years. And that was really awesome. And we smashed Liverpool off the park at Anfield and absolutely battered City silly at Old Trafford. Right, yeah. So some some very good highs, but... I guess the question was, has this season been a disappointment? So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say no to that one. I'm not going to say yes either. Exactly. It's, somewhere in, it's somewhere in between, you know. So those few sort of, you know, focus on a few matches, that's been really great. Um, but uh, this is still a side that two years ago, or it's still a club, it's hard to say side, isn't it? Two years ago it was champion. So the fall has been pretty stark. But on the right path. Yeah, and I think the kind of arguments in the yes column for disappointment include the fact that on September the 2nd or whenever the transfer window closed, I was giddy with excitement about the possibility of this season. You know, when we were 3-1 up against Leicester, I thought we were going to win the league at that point, you know, because again, talk about the best football we've played for years. That first half against Leicester promised so much and so much of that's fallen flat. Di Maria's goal, it just looked like we were going to, we were going to be a, complete force to be reckoned with all season so from that point we have been a disappointment but the the reason I was mentioning those few specific positive games is because the the opposites also existed I think it's this season has been a a real mixture of highs and lows a real kind of um emotional roller coaster and I've really enjoyed it though all in all I found it to be quite an engaging and fun season in general. Right. Well, we'll pick some of those out. Next week is uh, traditional end of season wrap where we'll give our scores and do our ratings and pick out our moments and goals and, and other stuff of the season. Yeah, we might ask Twitter for some ridiculous awards categories as well to 
do. The best Phil Jones face of the season. <laughs> He's already, I mean, that's that's a bit like goal of the season. That's pretty much nailed on for the ridiculous face he pulled while trying to head a Giroud in the ankle. At JSF underscore seven says, do you like Danny Ings? Uh, I'd be interested in your take on that, Ed. Yeah, I think he's a very good player, actually. He's, I really like his movement. He's got physical presence to him, even though he's not, you know, he's not a big man. He's, he's got some decent pace. He's a good finisher, but his movement is really good and he manages to occupy a couple of centre-backs as a result. It's just a bit hard to definitely say that he's going to translate doing really well in a Burnley side that struggled. He's got 10 goals this season um, in the Premier League in 26 games or something like that. It's hard to say he's going to translate that definitely to the top end of the, the Premier League. So it would be a gamble. He's a freebie, uh, or maybe it's tribunal, he's 23, right? So um, he's not going to cost much. So if United were going with four strikers next season, it might be sensible. Then again, the player has talked about not wanting to sit on the bench. He wants to make progress. So I wonder whether it'd be the sensible move for him. He's not going straight into the United side as United's number nine. No, absolutely. Uh, that's sounds like an excellent summary to me. At Joe Doyle underscore says, how much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck all the dead wood into a skip? By which I mean, who would you let go in the summer? Yeah, quite a few in a way. So, um, well, we know De Gea's off. Definitely not dead wood. Nope. <laughs> He's the most alive wood I've ever seen in my life. There's plenty of question marks over a, a number of players who, who are not Dave, though. So Falcao, I just don't see the point, honestly. Valencia, I struggle to, I really struggle to see the point of him as well. But I think he'll definitely stay because he's, he's uh, Van Hal likes him. He's, he's talks him in very glowing terms. So I think United will bring in another right back and that will be the two. Hernandez will go. I don't see the point in bringing him back for a final season at United. I don't see any point in Fellaini personally, but he'll definitely stay. Uh, and I think we can let go of at least one centre-back. So um, I think a move to a mid-table club for Johnny Evans is in the offing. Yeah, absolutely. Raphael will go. That's not dead wood in my eyes. But unfortunately, it's the injury thing. It's the injury. Raphael could have definitely played his way into Van Gaal's good books, but you can't keep a player with an injury record like that, except as a mascot. You know, it's uh, it's just ridiculous to tr- tr- try again. And what a cute I mean, mascot yeah, he'd he would be! An be. awesome mascot. You could do an awful lot worse, but it just uh, seems totally redundant to keep him. The nanny situation is going to be interesting because someone's got to pay his wages next season. We're surely not going to pay his wages for another season at some other club unless it's as part of a transfer deal. I, I think we should make uh, David Moyes pay his wages because <laughs> for some reason he insisted on giving Nanny a five-year contract. So weird. Just bonkers. Uh, just bonkers. I mean, at the time, I remember talking about it. We, we were talking about it guaranteeing United a transfer fee. So you could get a fee for him, but um, it's the payoff to Nanny that's the problem uh, because he's got four years uh, massive wages on his contract. Yeah, absolutely. And nobody in their right mind is going to pay him that money um, because he's not worth it. Like it, The thing about massive wages is there is a requisite requirement of um quality consistency yeah for massive wages yeah i mean quality quality is not the problem with nanny is it like top level nanny awesome but you know it's the uh it's it's consistency it's just his numbers look good i mean in the portuguese league yeah and they but they have looked good in the premier league too you know at his best he's uh he's a force to be reckoned with it's just that his his worst he's he's unbelievable um no that's right if he was a sporting player earning 30 grand a week I think a lot of people would be looking at him going, you know, good good purchase, that one. Lots and lots of teams from around Europe uh, on that over 100 grand a week. That's a problem. Yeah, it is. At E. Coney says, after seeing the video where he sang, Luvan Gars without me, I failed to see any other manager as cool as that, Klopp included. Luvan Gars is seriously cool. Have you seen the video of him on a canal boat dancing to techno? It's really special. I have not seen that video. Oh, man, I'm going to send that to you as soon as we finish this. Yeah. It's really seriously awesome. Good techno? Uh, Yeah, I think so. I mean, functional techno, let's say. Um, All right, uh, we've had this question before, but let's do it again because uh, finishing fourth is not going to be... This isn't going to be a season we look back on nostalgically, so let's have a bit of nostalgia. At Errol22D says, if there was one former United player from the past you could sign, who would it be? Mine's a toss-up between Keane and Rude. Well, it has to be Eric, doesn't it? It's Eric. The only thing about Eric, and just having to think about this one, is you just kind of wonder where he would play in Van Hal's system. 
years ago at uh, Ajax, uh, Van Hal played Yari Lippmann, a very similar style of player, sort of at the top of the midfield. Um, sort of behind the main striker. And I suppose that's where you'd put him. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, I I would have Eric too, even though maybe that's not our biggest need. Maybe our biggest need would be Roy Keane. But I'm, I can't answer this question with anything other than Eric Cantona because it's against my religion. Man, man, Roy Keane would would kill it in Van Hal's side right now. <laughs> It'd be brilliant. Uh, although he would have to adapt his game because otherwise he would be sent off within 30 seconds of every football match. Uh, I just want to shout out to friend of the rank cast at underscore Taylor Ben, who earned his friend of the rank cast status by tweeting us a crayon drawing he'd done <laughs> after last week's show. Yeah, he, he asked, how do you become a friend of the rank cast about six six weeks in a row? Yeah, and now he is a friend of the rank cast. It's, it's that simple. Um, at Pushing Chaos asks whether we both live in England and how we met each other. We uh, we do both live in England and we met each other when I was three and Ed was five. It's a, it's a bromance before bromance was trendy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At Man United 231 says, is getting bail a, really a possibility? Yeah, yeah do you reckon, I think Ed? it is. Uh, I think it's, it was definitely a possibility last summer. Uh, summer before last, sorry, summer before last. And um, we now know, thanks to Andy Mittens digging, just how much United screwed up on that deal. So, yeah, it's a possibility. I think uh, there's a lot of noises around United prepared to pay the money. And Madrid may well be prepared to let him go, but they'd need a Galactico to come in and replace. David De Gea. Uh, an attacking Galactico. I don't think a goalkeeper's a Galactico. David De Gea's a Galactico. You take that back. Um, yeah so uh thank you very much for the twitter questions this week i guess we should do a preview of the whole game because there's so much at stake and it's such a big and important game for manchester united yeah well i suppose if arsenal like lose to sunderland in midweek um it's still there's something might still they'll uh, still beat west brom and so it's kind of yeah you know the the biggest question really is whether united just attend out the like the under 12s uh because it might help newcastle get relegated which would be extremely (laughs) funny the the other thing is like bruce was brilliant he said in an interview i hopefully given everything that i gave united my my ankles my knees my back maybe they'll do me a favor and he has done us a lot of favors i mean obviously He's a bona fide Manchester United legend as a player. I think it's fair to give him that sobriquet, right? He's he's up there. He deserves that. He, he is, yeah, and definitely not the best central defender United have ever had. But no, um, no, but no. yeah, legendary status uh, for his, you know, the the horrendous nature of his face. Um, he forgot to say that, broke that as well. Um, and just his whole hide performances and all those penalties he scored. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and that goal, right? And that goal, uh, which is still burnt into my memory as I fell down the stairs at Old Trafford. Yeah, you gave your knees as well. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so Hull need to win to stay up and they need Newcastle uh, to lose, I think. I'm not sure what the goal difference situation is. but Seven, yeah. So, so Hull's, Hull's is better. Um, so a win for Hull and a draw for Newcastle would keep Hull up, probably. Um, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Uh, so the idea of Newcastle winning seems quite hard to process mentally, doesn't it? Yeah, and they're playing West Ham, who you know done all right this season. New- Newcastle have lost nine and drawn one of the last ten games. <laughs> West Ham have completely switched off, though, haven't they? They've they've done. Uh, Sam Allardyce has basically had um, Alan Kerbishley's entire Charlton career in one season. It's just like, yep, yeah, we're safe. Right, we're going to switch off now. Um, they were troubling the Champions League places at one point, West Ham, but they've just they just completely fell off a cliff in the second half of the season. Yeah, well, Big Sam's last game as West Ham manager, so he might want to get out on a high against his old club. You know, he'd quite like to send Newcastle down. I'm sure. I'm sure he would. Um, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see how committed United are. I suppose a lot depends on what happens in the Arsenal game in midweek. Because if Arsenal win that game, then there really is nothing to play for. And I think I would basically advocate for us to just let Hull win at that point. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine that that would be Van Hal's philosophy. 
No. Uh, I think he'll put out a strong side. Uh, it, it, will it say something uh, about United's makeup next season if if De Gea is not in the side? Um, he, he, he probably won't be. He's probably injured anyway, but that'd be a nice excuse, wouldn't it? I was talking to Dan Richmond before the match and he said Fergie might have done that, but um, Van Gaal is not going to do that because... Van Gaal's like been fiercely loyal to his players, and I think I think Van Gaal is more likely to uh, to pick De Gea as reward for his good performances this season than to leave him on the bench as punishment for being about to leave. Really, uh, that would be my take on the way Van Gaal would play. But he might genuinely be unavailable as well. De Gea, that's the other possibility, isn't it? Hull have been terrible this season, although you know you kind of feel a bit sorry for them. Last weekend, last weekend, the, the weekend just gone. Uh, because they actually they were pretty good against Spurs, and it, you know, save for those sort of two quick goals from Spurs, I think they could have got something out of that game, and not helped by Jake Livermore doing a Ferdinand, but just not, you know, just getting caught for it. Yeah, that that situation made me really sad. People are very quick to uh, to throw judgment around, aren't they? It's like you walk a walk a mile in a person's shoes before you start writing them off as a ne'er do well you know anyway no i i know actually jim jermaine Jenis on match of the day said that he's had a lot of personal problems didn't go into any detail so there is obviously something behind it sad young man 25 he's going to miss two seasons now and it it depends on the attitude of hull of course because chelsea sacked bosnich and then sued him um so hull could do that uh Aslam, their manager, manager, their chairman, owner is, um, you know, not exactly the friendly type. No, absolutely. Um, and uh, Mutu got, you know, dragged through the courts for years by Chelsea, didn't he? So it will, it will be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, right. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Ed has just been called away uh, to deal with uh, his little one. A bit like the end of the season where the players have their kids on the pitch, but on a podcast. So I'm going to wrap up the show. He asked me to tell you that he thinks that it's going to be a one-all draw. I think we're going to win. be interesting to see if Pereira plays. I think he's surely in with a chance. In a way, I think we're going to win. I sort of hope we let Hull win because it'd be fun to keep Steve Bruce up. But yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to, you can read what I have to say on Bleacher Report uh, and you max it. And you can read what Ed has to say on unitedrant.co.uk. You can get us both on Twitter at UTD Rankcast for me, at United Rant for Ed. Get us both, or more accurately, neither of us at facebook.com slash United Rant. And if you want to help with the show, uh, super helpful to us if you subscribe to the show using whatever podcasting software you use, whether that's iTunes or something on an Android platform, hit that subscribe button. That'd be awesome. If you do use iTunes, a review is really helpful to us. And if you want to contribute to our massive end of season party, we're not really having a massive end of season party at unitedrant.co.uk slash donate. And thanks as always to producer Tom, who does a sterling job with this. We will see you next week.